Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomeCare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs. Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Grandparenting involves relating to and taking care of grandchildren and can take a variety of forms, from regular visits to full-time custody. Studies have shown that older adults who are purposeful in regularly engaging their grandchildren can reap cognitive, social, emotional, and physical benefits from their time spent together. My guest today is Gramps Jeffrey, author of a book called I Don't Want to Turn Three. He will talk about personality traits and characteristics of grandparents and how the role of grandparenting has changed for the current older adult generation. He'll also talk about how grandparents can effectively interact with their grandchildren while maintaining positive relationships with their grandchildren's parents. So welcome, Gramps, and thank you for joining me today. Oh, I appreciate the invitation. Thanks. This will be fun. Well, let's get started. Before we really get into the whole concept of grandparenting, let's hear a little bit more about why you decided to write the book, I Don't Want to Turn Three. I got to tell you, living this past year because of the pandemic caused by obviously COVID-19 in isolation, you know, except for uh, being with my family, gave me a special time to watch and interact with these grandkids. And I got to tell you what a trip that was. I had all six of these grandkids and they were all living in my house for about six weeks. So I had a chance to watch them all together. All six of these kids have completely different personalities. But the one thing that they do have in common is their sense of curiosity and how excited they do get when they do accomplish something now. You know, watching them grow year to year and how they interact with each other is really, really the basis for this book. You know, what goes through a toddler's mind the parents are so desperate to understand? When does a toddler understand the difference between me and us? You know, this book kind of explores how a family finds that out together. You know, as a baby boomer myself, trying to understand how the world has evolved since I was three years old, you know, really is also part of the story. You know, my, my parents didn't have cell phones. They, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. I, you know, I was my dad's remote. He says, son, go change the channel. You know, I was the remote at the time. You know, my parents' definition of discipline is, is quite different than, than parents of today. You know, has today's world made for a better place for children to grow up? You know, I'll let your listeners kind of answer that question as, as you weigh how you were treated growing up compared to how we are, we are treating our kids today. So that's why I wrote this book. Well, and that gives us a good segue because I'm imagining that besides learning a lot about your grandchildren, you learned a lot about yourself. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today in all different kinds of grandparents. And so 
to your knowledge, what is the average age for first-time grandparents today? Well, the average age for a female grandparent is 50, and the average age for a male a grandfather is 52. That's the average. And obviously, they're much younger, many, many older, but the average in this country is 50 and 52. And would you say that there might be an optimal age for becoming a grandparent? I'm thinking, first of all, some uh, women or couples have children later in life or they have other responsibilities than that. But to your knowledge, is there an optimal age for becoming a grandparent? Yeah, the, the optimal age really is when, why do you, when do you still care? What do you really feel about it? You know, obviously, the younger you are, the more you can run around with them. Because once you get into your 70s and 80s, you can't uh, run track with your grandkids. So, you know, obviously, the younger, the better. But, you know, any age where you can relate and be the elder and teach your kids, you know, is okay. Okay. Well, I also wanted to think about what it's like to prepare for becoming grandparents. Goodness, I mean, uh, many older adults after their children are married, I mean, they're really excited about the possibility of their children having children themselves. What would you say are suggested ways to prepare for becoming grandparents? What did you do in, in preparation when your adult children were going to have kids? Well, let's step back a second. Let's talk about, you know, the, the grandparent generation. And, you know, because our problem today is too many grandparents really just don't care. You know, 30% of grandparents are classified as being remote, you know, and this is according to a study by Sharon and Furstenberg. You know, that means that one out of every three of us grandparents are called remote. You know, the definition for remote is that uh, they rarely see their grandchildren and, and most contact is made during going to a birthday party or you see them at Christmas. Yeah, and and that's what happens. So yeah, that's what we probably should look at. Why why is it that a third of this generation, these grandparents today, are just not involved in, in raising their kids? Yeah, you, you got to think the grandparents are a crucial part of a grandchild's development, uh, but you know, grandparents can also cause a strained relationship with the kids' parents or their their you know the grandparents' children. You know, they, they can facilitate dividing spouses and, and cause generational anxiety. You know, you know, issues such as giving unsolicited advice by telling your children, which are the kids' parents, what to do. You know, disrespecting boundaries by dropping in unannounced. You know, those are just some examples of how grandparents can cause family strife without realizing it. And a lot of this is caused because, you know, grandparents just don't like the spouse that their kid married. And so, you know, that causes strain to, to, between uh, parents and, and grandparents. You know, uh, other examples of things that, that push grandparents away is, you know, that the, they undermine the parent's authority. They challenge what a parent is teaching their child. You know, grandparents question the parent's values and the family structure. You know, that pushes grandparents away. You know, tendency to play favorites. Manipulates the savings, siblings. You know, everybody's got more than one or two grandkids. We all have our favorites. You just are not supposed to talk about it. You're not supposed to verbalize who your favorites are. Because once you do that, that, that really just pushes the whole family away. You know, you, you, you try as grandparents to, to have transactional control of the kids. 
through money, through gifts, take them on vacations. You know, that causes strife within a family. You know, you know, grandparents may have an overall lack of empathy. You know, they, they, the ability to understand and share the feelings of one another. You know, this is often so crucial to young children. And a lot of the grandparents and the older generation doesn't have that empathy or they lost that empathy as they were growing up someplace. You know, and, and the grandparents have demanded a, a grandchild comply and respect them. You know, that pulls families apart. So, you know, when you think that a third of us as grandparents just can't relate to our grandkids, you know, that does not bode well for this country. All of that said, what I'm hearing you say is a lot of negativity in terms of what might transpire for grandparents and their grandchildren and, and their adult children. But if grandparents are thinking in a positive way about preparing to become grandparents, what are some positive ways that they can prepare? Let's talk about what the parents' responsibility are in this world. And, and then, you know, along the same line, that could be the grandparents' responsibility in this world today, too. You know, today's world of uh, instant information and uncertainty and cruelty, a lot of cruelty in the world today, and differences in ideas, you know, what is the true role of, of parents and grandparents? Uh, because, they, you know, they both have the same role in, in raising, in raising and, and, and creating a, a good atmosphere for kids. You know, obviously parents provide their children with food and clothing and a, a place to live. They also provide financial support, uh, medical care, and the opportunity to receive an education. Now, that's the role of parents, you know, and obviously grandparents step in when, when parents can't do that. You know, and they're, they're there to protect their children from harm and, and provide them with a safe environment, you know, which includes supervision, control of any situation. In today's world, providing for a safe environment, I mean, th th it's so important. Uh, because parents are the most influential people for our children, you know, they have more power to bring the good qualities needed in their, in their daily lives. You know, traits that the parents should strive to instill in their kids, you know, should be, and again, also grandparents should be picking up on this too, are honesty, you know, responsibility, kindness, independence, respect. You know, positive thinking, creativity. This is all the things that we as, as adults need to be uh, making sure these kids have healthy eating and exercising in today's world. You know, we've got to make sure that that falls in, you know, and, and, and we can, they can learn from failure. Success is learned by failure, from failure. So, you know, we do that. But the most important thing is we got to teach them how to have fun. You know, that's, that's really what we need to do. And the reason I say that's the most important thing is, in today's world, you know, kids, as soon as they are born, as soon as they come out of the womb, they're on the Internet. You know, they, they, they understand the electronic world, uh, television, the Internet, cell phones. You know, I, I, I wasn't on the Internet until I was 40 years old. Now these kids are coming out on the Internet. So we have to balance. We as parents and grandparents have to balance their experience and, and getting all this stuff with the things that we know, that's why we need to teach them how to have fun. I mean, this is going to be the, the greatest, the smartest generation this country has ever produced. You know, these kids from one to 10 years old today, they've got all this information. They're learning so much faster than we ever did. And we as grandparents have got to help balance the whole life experience by teaching them things outside of what they're learning on the Internet.
Okay, well, that that helps us sort of move into more about the whole concept of, of grandparenting. And I'd like you to spend a little bit more time on that now. Would you say that grandparenting is associated with improved health and well-being? Think again about your own experience. And if the answer is yes, how might that be measured? Grandparenting, yes. The answer is yes. You've got the, it's the well-being of of kids. It's the well-being of of you. It helps with you growing. I mean, think about it. Going back to the thought that we have got to, as grandparents, teach our children uh, things that they are not learning on the internet. And the smartest thing to do is is to, to sit down with your grandchildren and read books with them. You know, that, that's, the, that, that's the one thing that we can do as grandparents, you know, that is outside all of the noise that, that we can help with, 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 with growing these kids and becoming more relatable to these kids. I mean, if you pick out, you know, I'm, I'm looking at me as a grandfather, you know, and I, I want to read a book to my child, my grandchildren. You know, it's a 20 minute experience. It's, you know, it takes you 20 minutes to read a book to a child. Um, but but it really, there's all kinds of benefits for doing that. If you kind of picture with a uh, you know, little two, three, four year old sitting on your lap and you open up a book and you think about what 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 does reading a book do with a child that they're not learning on the Internet? You know, well, the first thing it does, it, it creates bonding between the grandparent and the child. You know, it's just a nice way to spend together. You've got 20 minutes there that's sitting on your lap. You know, you're bonding with them. And then, you know, that gives a chance for a child to feel secure. Uh, and in this world, children need to feel secure, especially with all this crazy news that we get every week in this country. We've got to give the kids the feeling of security. And reading a book to them and creating that bonding is one way to do it. Another way, reason we should all be uh, reading uh, books to our kids, which helps them understand what is real life, is it supports listening skills. Now, you and I both know that as we grow older, listening skills are the best skills we have ever learned. I mean, you're in the radio. You have got to listen to people so you can ask great questions so that you can uh, probe them. You know, I, I in sales and marketing, I've got to be able to listen so that, 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 you know, I can get smarter. So if we can teach these children when they're two, three, four years old, sitting on grandpa's lap, um, that, you know, reading a book, it just requires them to listen. And this is a skill that is going to be so useful for them as they grow older. You know, another reason we should be reading to these kids with the uh, grandparents, making sure they're doing every time they see their grandkids is because of the cognitive and language development. You know, when you think about it, there's all kinds of words in these books that these kids don't understand. It gives you a chance to explain them, to really, really get them to to think. You know, and there's plenty of words in these books I don't understand. I got to go look up. So it's just a great way to communicate and gives you that quiet time to do it away from all the noise in the world. You know, another reason is is the attention span these kids get. Again, if you're two, three, four years old, you're bouncing off the wall all day got them in your lap for 20 minutes, you know, gives you a chance to, to teach them attention span by key concentration and self-discipline. So those are all the things that, you know, the book reading creates. And that's why grandparents 
need to throw themselves into reading books to these kids because of that experience alone. So let's talk about personality traits, because uh, I really, really want to focus on grandparents now about what do you think makes a successful grandparent? Let's just talk about grandparents and what they have to offer to help make a much better relationship between them and their and their grandchildren. What would you say about yourself and other people that you know who are good or successful grandparents? First thing you have to have is empathy. Okay, you know these these little kids, you know, they're scared. They don't know a lot, but they're also very honest. Um, so so you've got to be able to come down to their level and and get into their world, uh, understand what they are doing. Because they'll be very honest with you. Kids will be very honest with you. I mean, my, my three-year-old granddaughter, uh, I was at a birthday party last month. And, you know, she says, Gramps, you got a big belly. Okay, well, you know, nobody in the world would tell me that. <laughs> but she has no problem telling you. She says, what are you going to do with your big belly? <laughs> you know, so, so kids are so honest. So you've got to be able to come down to their level. Um, because, you know, they haven't learned to lie yet. They haven't learned, you know, to put on. They will tell you exactly what you it's like. So you 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 have to have empathy as a grandparent. But the other thing to keep in mind that we as grandparents are probably as our number one job is it is necessary for us to teach children how to think, not what to think. They'll learn they'll learn what to think over time, but we need to teach them how to think. And that is one of the greatest things that grandparents can do is by asking questions, by talking with them, you know, and communicating. That's, you know, that's our role. You know, for most of us, we don't have to be there 24 hours a day. So we have the luxury of going in, swooping in and just talking about things that their parents may not be able to talk to them about. And I also have seen, as I was preparing these questions, I noticed that there are different behavioral patterns of grandparenting. And I just wanted to share that. It said formal, fun seeker, surrogate parent, reservoir of family wisdom, and distant figure, which you did mention a little earlier. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between these patterns and why perhaps, again, based on the different behavioral pattern, can, say, predict whether one is going to be a, a good grandparent or not so good grandparent? Well, a good grandparent must have patience. Uh, and a lot of us don't. You know, we, we, we throughout our lives, uh, you know, don't, don't have patience. So when you think about the different patterns of uh, uh, grandparenting, fun seeker, you know, all kids want to have fun. Yeah, to an extent, you know, so, so a fun seeking grandparent is great. It's great. You know, and um, again, we got to be careful of being a surrogate parent because we don't want to overstep the bounds and the authority of our children who are the, our grandchildren's parents. So we got to be very careful of that because that can turn off a relationship, you know, and that could send us home. Uh, if we pretend to be the parent, that our, our 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 kids are. You know, one thing we always have to keep in the back of our minds is we have to support our kids' decisions for their grandkids, whether we agree with it or not. 
Yeah, because again, if there's too much conflict, you know, we're not going to see these grandkids at all. You know, obviously, you know, grandparents need to have the family wisdom. Now, when you think about it, the reason we get smarter every decade, and the reason we get smarter every decade is we make more mistakes. And obviously, we learn from those mistakes. So if we, as we get older, can learn from those mistakes and become the reservoir of the family wisdom and uh, advice and the elder, you know, that, that is so important. Um, and again, we don't want to be the distant figure. You know, it doesn't make sense. But in, in every family, never lose sight that it takes a village especially in families that are single fam parent families and so forth. You know, it takes everyone to raise a child, to give them all kinds of perspective. Because again, going back to the philosophy that it's necessary for us to teach children how to think, not what to think. The more adults, grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins, the more of us that are involved with the raising of these children, the more it's going to teach these kids how to think and different opinions so that when they become adults, they can make their own decisions. So it, don't ever lose sight that the village raises a child. And it's got to be aunts and uncles and cousins and there has to be grandparents. One thing I also wanted to ask you is, obviously, there are different kinds of grandparents in terms of their own physical and mental status. And one thing I was wondering, and if you could talk a little bit more about, is it possible to form a quality relationship? And that's a very subjective kind of term. But a quality relationship between grandparents and grandchildren, say a grandparent has a debilitating physical health um, issue, perhaps they're in a wheelchair, or they are limited in terms of their movement, perhaps because of a stroke. Might there still be a, a an opportunity to form a quality relationship? Oh, absolutely. You know, you're, you don't have to worry about running a race with your grandchild. You know, let the parents do that. You know, they're younger. <laughs> they can do that. So if you're in a wheelchair or you have disabilities, the one thing, go back to what we were talking about. The one influence that a, that a grandparent can have, even if they have limited uh, capabilities, is they can read, they can teach their children how to read, you know? And the reason that, that I'm just so into that is because it gives us a chance, every time we pick up a book, it gives us a chance to ask our kids questions. It gives us a chance to teach the children how to think. So for instance, you know, if, if you're in a wheelchair and, and you can't run around with your child, you can still read with them. You know, so again, let them pick out the book. Most of us have, you know, 20 books, kids books laying around the house. You know, there's a hundred great kids books out there. Obviously I want everybody to buy mine and read mine, but there's a hundred others out there. Um, and so, so, you know, let the child pick out the book. And before you even sit down with a child, you, you, the grandparents should ask them, what do you think is going to happen in this book? Again, that's how, if you can't run around with your kids, you know, this is how you can really influence how they think. You know, while you're reading the book with the kids, ask the child, you know, what are, who are the characters in this book? What's the setting in this book? Again, getting to think. And, you know, does anything in this book sound familiar to you? 
you want to ask your, your grandchild. And then when it's all over, much like you should be doing at dinner time, when you ask me, what did you do during the day? What was your favorite part of the book? And why was it fit your favorite part? If grandparents and elders continue to teach and question their children to let them think, you know, that's the lasting influence that they're going to have. And when the grandparents are gone, that's what the kids are going to remember, that their grandparents taught them how to think. And to that point also, and I wanted to ask one more question before the break, uh, what might be the situation if grandparents have a mental health or a cognitive, cognitive issue? Of course, we hear all the time about older adults sometimes do have cognitive issues or may have Alzheimer's or some other dementia situation. Might there be some difficulty relating to the grandchildren or might there be examples where there could still be some way of interacting so children understand about, you know, having grandparents despite these um, these issues of, say, mental health or cognitive issues? Uh, one of my grandparents uh, had Alzheimer's. And uh, the one thing that we learned uh, in, in working with the Alzheimer's is that whenever you walked in the room, you identify who you are. So for instance, you know, when, when, when my kids were the grandkids and they were five and six years old, when they would walk into the room, they would say, hey, Granny, this is, this is Josh. You know, how you doing? I'm your grandson. So that helps to trigger, trigger for these, uh, those that are suffering from dementia and, and Alzheimer's. It helps to help them think, know who you are. Um, and so that's how you have to relate. You know, you've, you've got, you know, grandparents, you know, if you touch their, you know, their, their hand, hold their hand, you know, tell them who you are. You know, that that's how you can relate to them from a grandchild standpoint. Because you're right, it's very difficult. It's very difficult when, uh, when you're missing a lot of your senses. Okay, well, we're going to take a short break right now. Thank you for that response, Gramps, and that's very helpful. And we'll be talking more about interactions between grandchildren and uh, their parents and grandparents after the break. But in case you tuned in late, we're talking with Gramps, Jeffrey, who's the author of a book called I Don't Want to Turn Three. And you are listening to WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomeCare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs. Welcome back. We're talking with Gramps Jeffrey, author of a book called I Don't Want to Turn Three. We're learning a lot about grandparenting and the effects that grandparents can have on their grandchildren. Uh, and so, Gramps, this has been very helpful. But one of the things that you've talked a lot about uh, is what positive traits children can learn from their grandparents. I was also wondering if you could talk a little bit about what do children learn about older adults from grandparents? I'm 
often very concerned about the ideas that many people, not just children, but younger adults too, have about older adults. There's a lot of ageism in this world. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about what children learn about older adults from grandparents, and hopefully it can be more positive than negative. Never lose sight that children imitate you. In other words, you are the role model. When you're a grandparent with your child, you are the role model. So for instance, if you're the grandparent and you spend a lot of time on your iPhone, you know, when you're with your kids, the little kids are going to spend a lot of time on their iPhone. You know? So you are the role model. Never lose that sense. So you set the examples. So they can learn a lot from older adults. If, if you are mean and curmudgeoning and, and, you know, don't care and have no empathy, you know, that's what they're going to learn from you. And that's going to be their view of, well, you know, that's what all old people are, just like my old grandpa, who was just a mean old guy. So, so set the example, you know, make sure, be conscious that whenever you're around little kids who are very impressionable, they, they will repeat whatever you say. So for instance, you know, if you're with your three-year-old grandson and you say a cuss word, I can guarantee you that you're going to hear that cuss word three or four more times that day. Uh, so if you ever fall into that kind of a thing where you say a cuss word in front of your grandchild, immediately start talking about things that they like, like blueberries or bananas or dinosaurs. So hopefully that they can forget the, 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 the cuss word. But you are an example. They are a sponge and they reflect exactly what you do. So that's the image that you're going to leave with these kids. Don't ever lose sight of that. Okay. And I was wondering whether or not, I'm hoping that things have changed significantly, but, you know, years and years ago, perhaps, there was a difference uh, in, in so far as the relationship between grandparents and their granddaughters, as opposed to the relationship with their grandsons, per, perhaps maybe in terms of expectations and career choices and this kind of thing. Do you see that still as an issue or have we finally come to a point where we want to know and say and uh, acknowledge that girls can do the same as boys and boys can do the same as girls? So how do you see that in terms of how grandparents relate to the two different uh, genders of grandchildren? That has really evolved since I was a kid. I think part of that was Title IX where we, we gave uh, girls the same kind of uh, opportunity in sports that we did for, for guys. And so I think that really has evolved. You know, I think when you take a look at, uh, you know, the uh, females are more, more female lawyers than male lawyers. I mean, they, they, we have evolved as a society and you know, giving, giving our kids and our daughters a chance you know, it's too bad that, you know, today is the one year anniversary of what happened in Afghanistan and they're going the other way. They're, 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 they're making their daughters and girls suffer. You know, we in America have the opportunity and it looks like we have that we are treating our, our, our granddaughters, you know, equally now. And, you know, if anything has evolved in the society, that's a real plus. And what about 
parents who are still raising their own children, and they also happen to be grandparents. Maybe they had quite a few children, or maybe they had some children earlier in their lives, and then uh, another one comes along uh, later in life. Do you see different issues that this kind of situation might um, you know, raise insofar as the, uh, the grandparents and both their children as well as uh, the grandchildren? Well, you know, in a sense, they have luck, lucky if they have a few extra teenagers in there to take care of these kids. So the, uh, again, going back to philosophy, that it takes a village. It, you know, one, one person cannot raise a kid. It takes a village. So, you know, if you've got a family and you're a grandparent and you have kids, and, and so get your other kids involved. Uh, you know, the, the whole idea is for, for children to learn sharing and responsibility. And if you've got a whole three, three generations in your house, then that's an opportune time. So don't look at it as a negative. Look at it as, hey, you know, when these little kids grow up, they're going to be even better because they've got so many more life experiences. In fact, they might even have some built-in babysitters, as you had said. Right. Okay. Well, another example of a situation for grandparents might be that they still have a full-time job. I, I always like to say on Aging Matters that we are responding to the needs of older adults who are 50 to 100. And so grandparents who are still 50 or um, not retired yet, they could have full-time jobs. Might they have more difficulty being active grandparents, say, than those who are retired? And if that's the case, then help us understand some types of interactions that they could have with their grandchildren that that could work and be a positive relationship for both the grandkids as well as the grandparents. You know, if you have a full-time job, you can still get on the phone at night and, and talk to your grandchildren. You can still be with them on the weekends at their ball games or go to their concerts or, you know, just take them to the museum. So you know, the one great thing about being a grandparent is you always give the kids back. You know, we had our a couple of the grandkids uh, last weekend over and, you know, we, we had a great time. We, you know, did all the things that grandparents get to do over the weekend. Um, but when they went to take their nap, I was thrilled because then I could go take my nap, too. You know, they wear you out. You know, so so even though you're working, you can you can just be with them on the weekends or at night. Uh, I don't see there's any difference. You know, retire. Sometimes uh, the grandparents can get in the way if they're there too much. Um, so, so I, I don't, I don't see it as an obstacle at all. Okay, there another example that uh, can occur and has in some cases uh, is been custodial grandparenting. Uh, grandparents are actually full time parents as well as grandparents. Do you see some possible issues that? may occur for older adults that are required to take on this role? Well, first of all, there are, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, there are 2.6 million kids that are now being raised by grandparents. Think about that, 2.6 million kids. Why are they being raised by grandparents? Uh, well, the, the, their parents may have died. Uh, their parents may be in jail. You know, their, their parents uh, may be uh, unfit. And so that, if you think that's a huge number, 2.6 million kids are being raised by their grandparents. 
Um, so when 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 that happens, you know that puts a strain on the whole system. You know, again, when you're 60, 70 years old, you know it's tough to run around with these kids all day long. But you have to. You know, they become a priority. It becomes your life. Uh, you know, and and you do this because you love them, and this is just what you will do. So uh, that that's a scary number to me. Two point six million kids in the United States are being raised by grandparents. I would also think too that there could be problems insofar as disciplinary actions. And you know, you mentioned earlier about how the world is so different today than it was a generation ago, and. Uh, I would imagine it's also to this point of custodial grandparenting difficult to really understand what younger people are doing today in terms of schools and the internet and cell phones and different aspects of life. Would you would you agree that it's just a different world for grandparents trying to raise those kids in that regard? <laughs> let's talk let's talk about discipline. You know, I grew up in the 50s and 60s and and my, my parents were, were, well, my whole parents' generation was a very disciplined generation. And rightfully so. I mean, this generation that they were in went through the Depression. They went through uh, World War II. They saved the world for democracy. Uh, and so they came back from the war. They were very disciplined, and rightfully so. So, you know, it, it, my brother Larry and I, if we did something wrong, my mother would say, wait till your dad gets home. You know, and he'd come home and he'd uh, take off his belt and he'd chase us around the uh, kitchen table. And that was his discipline. He had a, a fraternity paddle in, 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 uh, for, that he also used on us. And one night when they were gone, uh, my brother and I went into their closet. We grabbed his fraternity paddle. Uh, we grew up in Ohio. It was late fall and there were leaves on the ground. And we stuck the fraternity paddle into the leaves and it snowed the next day. And that spring we went back and the, the paddle was gone. To me, that was a miracle. Uh, but that was discipline as I was growing up. I think we as a generation learned that, that yeah, I don't know if that's really the right way to do it. So we, we, we sent our kids to time out. We, we talked our kids through discipline. We weren't chasing them around the kitchen table with belts. Uh, and they have evolved now. You know, my kids' discipline is much better. You know, if, if their little kid gets into trouble, you know, they do send them to timeout. And the little kid understands that because you know, all their friends are playing around and they're sitting there facing the wall. You know, that's their way of discipline. I mean, it, it was funny. I was telling you about my uh, granddaughter's third-year-old birthday party. We were there and, you know, she was all of a sudden, she had gotten a bunch of trucks for her birthday. And she was playing with them with her uh, older brother who was four and a half. And they started fighting about the trucks. And she looks at him. And she says, I need my space. And she gets up and walks over to the, to the sofa. And then he looks at her and she says, I need my space too. And he goes to the other side of the sofa. Well, they didn't learn that on the internet or watching TV. They learned that from their mother who probably got so frustrated at one point in time. You know, she looks at both these kids and says, I need my space and walks away. But that's a great way to discipline them. So yes, uh, it, it's a whole different world. And we have to take that in perspective. Let's take that now to more uh, interaction between the grandparents and their grandchildren insofar as the parents' involvement. What have you seen in terms of the reasons why it's often easier for grandchildren to interact with grandparents than with their own parents? Again, most grandparents are there just 
part of the time. So they are not involved in the day in, day out strain of you got to pick up your toys when you're, uh, you know, after you're done with that, you know, you, you got to go take your bath. They're not there for the day in, day out strain. Uh, so the, the, the parents, the much more disciplinary ones, because they're the ones that are molding these kids. So the grandparents have the luxury of being able to communicate with these kids with just not a, a, a lot of baggage because they don't have to discipline them as much as their parents do. And that's one of the reasons, um, you know, like, for instance, uh, my uh, my nine year old uh, granddaughter, Olivia, came to me last week and she says, Gramps, I got a great idea for our next book. I said, you know, what's your idea for our next book? She says, I think we should write a book. I don't want to turn 10. I said, Olivia, you're nine years old. Why don't you want to turn 10? She says, well, you know, I, I got to worry that uh, I'm going to have to learn how to drive a car pretty soon. I said, that's seven years away. Why would you even want to worry about driving a car? You know, you, why would you think about it now? She says, you know, I got to start thinking about picking out a college. I said, that's nine years away. You know, I said, why are you even worrying about it now? And she says, you know, you know I'm going into fifth grade and, and it looks like the fifth graders have a lot more homework than I did with the fourth grade. I said, what are you worried about that now? So, you know, those are the kinds of things that the, the, the grandkids can talk to uh, their grandparents about that they probably wouldn't talk about with their parents. And you obviously are very lucky because of having your grandchildren very close to you. And of course, I'm sure that there are listeners on this program today where they're geographically separated. So let's spend a little time talking about, if that's the case, if grandparents and grandchildren are geographically separated, give us some suggested ways of spending quality time together that they can, you know, both can enjoy. Well, let, let me use me as an example. All right, because I do, I've got, I live here in Arizona. I've got two grandkids here, but I've got two grandkids in Austin, Texas, and two grandkids in Orlando, Florida, which was different than when I was growing up. I mean, when I was growing up, my, my uncle lived up the street. My grandmother was two blocks away. And so our village, our family was all there, but that's not the case anymore. So in my particular case, again, what happened when I had all these kids here for six weeks, they had a chance to really see what our house was like and our yard and all that so they could be familiar with you know where we lived and for some reason when their kids are two three four five six even seven years old the one thing they all have in common is they love dinosaurs i mean it's amazing these three-year-olds can give talk to me and tell me these long names of these dinosaurs you know, and they can tell me the dinosaurs, who their friends were, they meet, you know, they, they're a vegetarian. You know, the only thing I know about dinosaurs is they're small, medium, and large. But for some reason, these kids, their language is dinosaur. I, I notice when they're talking to their friends, one of the first things they always talk about are dinosaurs. So what we did, knowing that when the kids from uh, Texas and Orlando went home, we figured, how are we going to keep in touch with them? What can we do to be part of their world? Because, you know, little kids don't pick up the phone and call you. They just don't. They're not they're out of sight, out of mind. You've got to, you've got to have a purpose. So in our case, what we decided was that we were going to take, we have six little dinosaurs in our house. We were going to take our six dinosaurs and every night 
put them someplace else in the house. So for one night, they were in the refrigerator eating blueberries. Another night, they were by the sink with grandma washing dishes with the soap on their noses. Another night, they were playing the piano. Another night, they were walking up steps. So we had 50 different nights of where these dinosaurs, you know, were doing something different in our house every day. So we became part of the kids' routine. So what happened was, you know, mom and dad would give the kids their bath. They would read them a book. And then the little kids would say, what are the dinosaurs doing tonight? And so they would call my wife on her iPhone so that we could do FaceTime. And they say, where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? What are the dinosaurs doing tonight? So that's how we kept in touch with our kids that are remote. I am sure your listeners can come up with other ideas that would help them keep in touch. Because you're right, it's so difficult when they're not down the street from you. It is certainly true that during COVID, we all got very used to Zoom and and still seeing each other. And obviously, you use that to your advantage, Zoom and FaceTime. So um, very interesting. Gramps, I wanted to spend a little time on the relationship of grandparents and their children and, and how that relates to the grandchildren. So let's talk about if grandparents select some activities or events for the grandchildren that their parents disapprove of, how could these issues be addressed? Well, first of all, uh, you're going to hear about it very quickly. Uh, you know, the, our kids, the generation of our kids now, you know, these kids that are in their uh, late 20s, 30s, and early 40s, uh, they're very verbal. <laughs> they, they, you know, and I guess it's something we taught them. You know, we taught them is don't be bashful. You know, if, if you don't agree, talk about it. Uh, so you're going to know that very quickly that, uh, that, that you messed up and the kids are going to do that. Uh, and so, you know, the, the other thing you want to remember is that grandparents are creating memories. I'm sure that if you sat back, that you can think about when you were growing up, certain things your grandparents did that were good and bad. You know, the, the things that, that you can relate to that, that still today, 40 years later, that you have these fond memories of or these bad memories of. And so that's one thing we got to be very careful of. You know, again, uh, using me as an example, I was telling you we had the kids over for the weekend a couple of weeks ago because our parents uh, went out of town. And, you know, as grandparents, we did all the great stuff. We, 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 we took them to the park. We went to the museum. We went swimming. You know, we played kickball. We played a little tennis. We played the little Wii on the, you know, from far, everybody's got the Wii if you're together for 20 years on the TV where you play with things. And so we do all kinds of great things. But Saturday night, my wife said to uh, Levi, who is now seven, who was a very picky eater, you know, she said, you know, if you don't eat what I have in front of you, you're not going to be able to watch TV tonight. And so, you know, when we dropped the kids off the next day to the parents, Olivia said, oh, we had a great time. We played soccer. You know, we went to the park. The only thing that Levi remembered of the entire weekend, when it was a great weekend, is that, you know, grandma made me eat something I don't like. And I'm telling you, when he's our age, he's going to remember that instance. So we as grandparents have to be very careful um, of the experiences that we share with our grandkids because when we're gone, they still have our memories. And let's take that one step further, Gramps. Uh, what might be best approaches if grandparents disagree with how their adult children are raising their grandchildren? So it's not so much about what the grandparents are doing, 
but attitudes of grandparents towards what their adult children are doing when raising their, their grandchildren. Most of the time it won't work. In other words, most of the time, if you go to your grand, your child and say, hey, I don't like what you're doing here, they're, they're going to go say, take a walk. It's my kid. You know, uh, you know the, the way that the, the kids say to their grandparents, hey, you know, you raised me. I, I've got your morals. I understand what you believe in, but this is my interpretation of it. And this is what I'm going to do. So you lose. Grandparents lose most of the time when they try to uh, intervene with what their kids are doing. The best thing you can do is support your kids, whether you agree with them or not. Because again, these grandkids are sponges. They see everything. They absorb everything. They see a conflict between grandma and my mom. You know, this is something that's going to scar them for life. So this is one of those conversations the grandparents need to walk away from. And sometimes it's walking away and not saying anything, right? Absolutely. And there's also the possibility because uh, sometimes parents remarry and there's a a new spouse and uh, there might be stepchildren involved. This is another possible situation. How can grandparents interact with their grandchildren when they don't have a positive relationship with the parent? And it could be one parent or could it be both parents because of, as I said, remarriage or divorce or some other situation. Any advice in terms of what could be done in those situations? Because I'm imagining that there might even be a situation where there might be limited interaction. Maybe the parent doesn't like the grandparent and doesn't want their child to even interact with the grandparent. What do you think about that? Don't forget, grandparents are the elders. We're supposed to be the wise one. And again, we get wiser as we get older. And so we have to give in. And when it's all said and done, you know, the parent is the authority. We are the uh, people that help, you know, raise the kid. But it's the parent is the one who is going to be making all the final decisions. And so sometimes you got to bite your tongue. Sometimes you got to bite your pride. Sometimes you just got to step back and say, "Yeah, I'm here to support my kids. I, I think I raised a great kid. You know, let's 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 support them." Yeah. So they have to back off. You know, the the the, the harder a grandparent fights with their child the more distant they will become. We're getting towards the end, but I wanted to throw in one more question, and that is, as grandchildren get older, I don't know how old your grandchildren are, but I was wondering if there's kind of a change that has to come about as grandchildren get into their teen years and uh, they are they want to just be with their own friends and being with grandpa and grandma isn't quite as novel as it is say when they're they're much younger any advice that you could give to grandparents in terms of how they kind of have to change their own approach say uh, with their grandchildren as they get older and less uh, enamored say with being with grandpa and grandma well, the first thing that us elders need to do is become tech savvy. You know, we, it's, again, most of us weren't in tech until we're 30s, 40s, 50s. So we have to be able to communicate on their level. One thing I noticed with the teenage grandkids is that they don't call, they text. Okay. But at least they communicate. So we have to learn how to text. 
you know, we can't call them every night. So let's text them. So that's one of the things that we have to do. We have to become as tech savvy as we can uh, to communicate with our kids. Because even if we don't talk to them, if we text them a couple, three times a week, you know, we'll still be in their lives. They're still going to remember who we are. Um, they still will turn to us when they don't agree with their parents and they need another, another shoulder to, to cry on or another ear for advice. Um, so learn, learn as much electronic stuff as you can so that you can communicate with these teenagers. And last question, any helpful resources to learn about grandparenting and any final advice that, that you as a grandpa could uh, convey to our listeners? Oh, yes, absolutely. One resource that all grandparents should use is the AARP Guide for Grand Families. Okay, just go to the, uh, you know, the AARP site. It's their guide for grand families. It just gives a step-by-step. It talks about many of the things that, that we've been talking about. Uh, you know, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Resources, uh, the DHHS, has a whole thing called Information and Resources on Guardianship. So, you know, if you're in a, in a situation where you have to take over to, to raise your child, your grandchild, you know, make sure you stop by there to do that. There's a National Committee of Grandparents for Children's Rights. So so the, just type in the National Committee for Grandparents. Uh, there's an organization called grandfamilies.org. Uh, raising Kids with Disabilities is one place to go if you have disabilities. Legal Assistance is a place to go for there. So grandfamilies.org is a place for resources. Another one is childcare.gov. It's a great step-by-step thing, but the government's put out. So there's plenty of resources for us to go online. Again, we got to be tech savvy. You got to go online, uh, and uh, and and so we can help raise this generation, which again I think is going to be the greatest generation this country has ever produced. Okay, good way to close. And uh, I want to thank you, Gramps Jeffrey. Uh, author of a book called I Don't Want to Turn Three, for joining me today. Glad that you were uh, able to impart so much wisdom on grandparenting. Thank you very much. And I would recommend, I've got a new site coming out for, it's called babyboomers.org. It's baby babyboomer.org. Uh, and it's a resource for everybody of the baby boomer generation to, to find all kinds of stuff about what we've been talking about, plus everything else we like, music, videos, things like that. So I would encourage any of your listeners to go to babyboomer.org. Okay. Thanks for that extra resource there. And uh, listeners should also know that if they want to learn more about Aging Matters, they can visit our website, which is agingmattersonline.com. And of course, at that site, you can access all the Aging Matters radio and TV show content. And of course, log on to the podcasts of Apple and Spotify. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media. And you can learn more about that company at inkmouthmedia.com. So thank you for listening to Aging Matters today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. Music.